Many of you have heard me say that I, if I get around other adults, a lot of times I feel like the kid in the room. Have you all heard me say that before? I'm 40 years old, and, uh, and I'll get in a room of, of 30-somethings and think that I'm like the youngest one. I'm like, oh, I was hanging out with these old people. <laughs> like, Justin, you're like four years older than everybody that you were talking about. Um, but, but nothing was more true than this past weekend. I really felt like the kid in the room hanging out. And it was awesome. I'll preface this by saying last weekend was, and I'm sure you agree, was awesome. I mean, the speakers were great. It was good to hear my pastor, Pastor Mark, speak, and Ben and Jeremy um, and Paul White. And it was just incredible just to soak up all that information um, and really, really good. Just Holy Spirit-inspired teachings were just great. Um, and having said that, there were times in between where we had lunch with the speakers and we had dinner and got to hang out with them. And, and I'll tell you one thing, it was so encouraging to see um, how excited Mark was to um, uh, just to be a part of that and to, to fellowship and to, to just kind of sharpen some iron again. And it had been a while since he had done that. And he was just, it was a really good weekend for all of us. And it was really good for me and my pastor and my, my mentor to just kind of hang out and talk. And um, it was really good to just catch up and, and there's just a lot of life and a lot of healing and, and having all of them around. Having said that, all of those men are brilliant men. Like, in, I had a hard time, and I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm always honest. I'm just being transparent, I guess. I always have, especially when I'm around very intelligent people and very well-spoken people, I always begin, a little bit of insecurity begins to rise up in me. It shouldn't, but it does. I'm just being straight up. So I begin to fight whether... I need to just shut up and listen to all this great information and these, these incredible people or try to prove myself. Do you know what I mean? Have you all ever been, been in those positions? Do I, I need to let them know that I know what I'm talking I need to let them know that I'm part of their group. You know what I mean? And so I kind of fought with that a little bit. Like, And most of the time, I think the majority of the time, I, would just, I was quiet and just listened because I don't, I don't really need to prove anything. You know, I know all of them. They're all awesome. They all love me and I love them. Um, but there was still that little bit trying to, trying to stand up and say, okay, I'm, I'm good enough. I, I, need to, I need almost like an approval kind of thing. And I think that's very natural. I don't think it's a, you know, the worst thing ever. It's good that I recognize it, I think. Um, but I've talked with many of you guys, and, and one, of the, one, of the, one of the reasons, many reasons, we started the Young Adult Group, the journey, we really we want something for young adults that, that they can really get connected and that they can not feel intimidated and, and be able to share with one another what's going on in their lives and, and, and study scriptures together and figure things out that maybe, you know, they, they don't quite understand in one way or the other. And so this whole thing of kids, man, that started well, this, this, this weekend with the kids yesterday and then um, as I was leading up to this and then studying this morning even, it just kept coming back to me about kids, kids, kids. And I do, I feel like this morning I don't because I'm hurting badly because I hurt my back <laughs> Um, but normally I feel like a kid, like I feel like I can go ride jet skis and I can go ride bikes or I can go do this and I can go, you know, ride the wakeboard, do all these things that are, you know, for less amount of time because I get winded earlier, but I still feel like I do all these things because I'm young. Um, and at the same time, I realize pretty quickly I'm not quite as young as I used to be. Uh, but there, I, think there's, I think there's something to that. And we talked about it a few weeks ago about being a happy adult. It's okay to be a happy adult. And it kind of resonated with everybody in here because it's like, oh, we could, it's Okay. Because most of the examples that I had growing up weren't happy adults. Most of the adults that I was around were genuinely mostly angry and frustrated, <laughs> sometimes with me, but with everything else, too. <laughs> Not that much with me, though. But I think, um, I think we, we have, everybody's got their own different insecurities and things that we go through, and we feel like we're not good enough, we don't measure up. And that's kind of how I felt a, a little bit. Like I said, this is a teeny part of this weekend. This weekend was great. This past weekend with the 
uh, the weekend before with all the guest speakers and the conference and everything was awesome. But there was a tiny bit of that where I just felt quite not quite good enough. Um, and it was awesome the way the Holy Spirit worked that out throughout the week and, and just began to reveal to me my identity in Him and how I'm just different, I'm not the same as everybody else and all these different things. And so it was really good. But what I, I came to in Scripture, I was like, well, we've talked about kids and Jesus and how that looks, but there's something very liberating about Jesus' ministry. There's something very um, revealing to the general public about Jesus' ministry that was so different than the way it was taught before then with the Pharisees and everything. There was this hierarchy and you had to, you know, all these different things, these whole, these hoops you had to jump through to get somewhere where Jesus would just pretty crudely give everybody everything. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was almost ridiculous how good he was to everybody. Men, women, children, Gentiles, Jews, everybody. It was everybody, and it, it shook the world. Like, nobody could wrap their minds around it. You know that the Jews were looking for a geopolitical leader to come and destroy Rome and make them the superpower and all that kind of stuff when Jesus was really coming to defeat their real enemies, which was sin, death, and hell. But they still had this very um, limited perspective of, of who he was. And so even his disciples, his closest 12, struggled with this. They even struggled with this idea that it was for everybody because they felt like they were his 12, who's going to be the greatest. You know, they're always talking about this stuff. And so I went and I found a few spots in, in Scripture that talk about children and Jesus. And you might be familiar with a couple of them, but I want to kind of touch on a few, a few points. Um, the first one's in Mark 10, 13. Mark 10, 13. It says, then they brought little children to him. Who do you think brought the little children? Who's usually having the little children while all the, the men are doing stuff? The women. So then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Who do, who do they rebuke? The women. The disciples say, no, 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 no. This is, we're, we're doing, we got business. We're doing stuff here. This is important. You guys take the kids and go somewhere else. So they rebuked him, but, <clears throat> but when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. I, assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Those are heavy words. That's, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> Verse 16, and he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the Jesus we serve. This is, this is the God incarnate that we serve. He took the little children in his arms, and, he, and he, he held them, and he blessed them. The next, the next scripture I found about kids was in uh, Matthew 18, 1. And... Uh, we're going to skip around a few places. We won't skip around too much. We'll go from there to Luke. We'll be next. Um, Matthew 18, 1 says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? See, they still don't get it. They're saying, basically, who of us is going to be the greatest is what they're really saying. Verse 2, Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Now, what is he saying here? Is he saying we all need to just act like the little kids? I don't, I don't think necessarily saying as a whole we're all supposed to just waddle around like little kids. I think he's, he's using some key words here. Whoever humbles himself as this little child. How many of you have hung around little kids for a little bit? Most of us have hung around little kids. 
little kids are, are humble, and I'll give you the definition of, 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 uh, of being humble or humility. It's the, the Latin word hu, humilitas. It's being fully dependent. Now, we want to think of it as just feeling lowly, right? Like we need to be humble and like we're not good enough. Um, but all the way from the Latin, it says being fully dependent on the Lord, dismissing reliance upon self, self-government, and emptying carnal ego. This exalts the Lord as our all in all and prompts the gift of his fullness in us. So it's fully trusting in God, not in yourself. What do kids do? They have to trust in somebody. They don't have jobs, right? <laughs> they need somebody to take care of them. They need somebody to feed them. They need somebody to, to help them. They need somebody there for them, right? They are fully dependent on somebody, whether they admit it or not. Some kids can get kind of ornery, but ultimately they are dependent on you. Your kids are dependent on you, right? This is what he's talking about. Unless you fully depend on God, this thing's not going to work. The kingdom of heaven works like this, not like what you're thinking. It's not work your way up in the hierarchy, in the system, so that you can be up on stage or so that you can be up on on a platform or so that you can be up and honored by men. He's saying, no, be humble as a child, knowing that you fully depend on God. Fully, we have to get that. Fully depend on God. And so we're going to talk about the, the one time that I, I want to kind of touch on here in Luke that talks about being humble and what, what it looks like to be humble. And this is in Luke 18.9. Luke 18.9 says, Also he spoke this parable to some, listen to how he says this, he spoke this parable to some, parable to some who trusted in themselves. We go back to the definition above. It's the exact opposite of humble. These guys weren't humble, right? They trusted in themselves that they were righteous and, and despised others. They should have been confident in the second one. Two men, <clears throat> two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Um, now, just to give some contrast, you, some of you may know Pharisees were, were honored. Um, they were very educated. They had the, the Torah memorized. Um, and tax collectors were very much not honored. They were crooks. They were thieves. They robbed from old ladies. They stole. They were crooked. They were, they were like gangsters. They were like the gangsters of their day. They would go around and collect money um, that really wasn't theirs, and they would take some off the top before they give it to, to where it was supposed to go. So the, uh, verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed by himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes, that, tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off, because he wasn't allowed in the, in the uh, synagogues. He wasn't allowed in there. So he was standing far off, would not, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. I tell you, this man went, went down to his house justified. Listen to the wording here. He went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the picture of, of being humble or humility. Now, what we want to do traditionally is we want to take this as a cookie-cutter message and, and apply it to everybody exactly the same. But it's not necessarily the case. He's giving you an example of two people, two people that they would have recognized in their positions. So he's saying the Pharisee was this person who gets up there, and they would have recognized that, and talks about how great they are. They tithe, they fast, they do all these great things, and he exalts himself. And then they gave him another, he gave him another example of a tax collector. But here's the interesting thing. The Pharisee in the story is depending on his own performance and abilities to be justified. He thinks, he thinks something great about himself, and he looks to justify himself, but he really has no idea who he is. He's looking at everything that he's done to get him to the position he is, and then he's exalting all those things. You ever heard fake it till you make it? 
Well, this is just faking it. Because <laughs> you, so, so you, you, you basically fake it and fake it and fake it until you feel like you're something that you're not. So it's the greatest form of hypocrisy, right? So you fake it and fake it and fake it, and you go, okay, all these things that I've done, I build my life on those things. Now, the second man knows exactly who he is. He knows he's a bad man. He knows he's done wrong things. He recognizes who he is. He's the one being real, right? So you have one person being fake and one person being real. He's showing you who's being justified as the one who's being real. All of us said that we've hung around kids at some point. What are, what are kids? They're very real. <coughs> you ask a kid what's wrong, and he'll say, I need to poop, right? I mean, or my stomach hurts, or what, I mean, whatever you ask a kid, they're going to tell you what's going on. I don't like her, or what, you know, whatever reason, they're going to be real with you, right? They're very transparent. They, they don't have filters. <laughs> Jasmine, I know. I'm so stressed out. But, but seriously, kids have no filters. It's, it's an amazing thing. It's scary sometimes in public, but it's an amazing thing in private sometimes to hear the conversations. That, and it, it was funny. I was in my office this morning, and, and some kids came early with AJ to help. Well, they were supposed to be helping out there, but they were playing like tag in here, running around and laughing. And immediately I thought, I need to tell them to calm down. They're, they need to quit doing that. But I thought, it's like 45 minutes early. There's nobody out there. They're not hurting anything. Why do I need to go tell them to calm down? Let them play. And you could hear their conversations with each other, and they were just talking about well, I got you, no, I got you twice, and, da, 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 and like they're having these, and, and as I was going over the sermon and, and studying it, I was like, I mean, just in the same way, they're just being as real as anybody else. They're, they're having almost like a, 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 almost like a judge and jury situation out there about who's right, who's wrong, who was it, who wasn't, who got tagged, who was out, and I was just, I, I kind of stopped in the middle of reading, I was just like listening to, <laughs> listening to them out there um, having this whole conversation. It was a pretty deep conversation about tag or whatever they were playing, but it, it, it brought me, it brought me back to this realization that we're just kind of, we're grown kids and they're little adults. I mean, we, we have, especially with all the, the racial things that are going on and all the things that are going on, we want to compartmentalize things and we'll say things like them or they or us or, and we want to say, well, kids don't understand this or, you know, older people in older generations don't understand me. You know what I mean? Have y'all ever been, you get caught up in that, well, well they don't get it or they don't understand. They do. <laughs> they do. I've had some incredible conversations with some elderly people, I mean, for hours and hours and hours that I would not have thought would have gotten what, what I've dealt with and what I've gone through, and they very much have. They've lived through things that I've lived through, and they've, they understand things I understand. In the same way, I've had, I've had a conversation with my kids, youth men. I've taught youth for so many years. Those, those young people up there will teach me more than I'll ever teach them because they deal with things that may be a little bit different than I deal with or some of the same things. So we can't say kids or you know, adults or old, you know, we're all the same. This is leveling the playing field. This is what Jesus was saying when they were bringing kids to him. Uh, going on in verse 15, he says, uh, then they also brought infants. Who are they again? It's going to be women again. So the women brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to him, called to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. He's saying the same thing as before. In, in that culture, they looked at women less than men. In that culture, they looked at children as though they didn't have that much value. They didn't have anything to add to the conversation. Jesus, and I've said it before, was one of the greatest women's liberators there ever was. The Holy Spirit is much more powerful than any feminist movement that could happen in our country and the world, I promise you. I'm, I'm, I talked to Carol about this too. 
I'm, I'm studying more about what a significant role women played throughout Scripture, and, that, and it's, it's more and more enlightening every time I read about it and see it. And I haven't studied enough to get to it right now, but it's incredible. But I think this is leading me into that. Listen, don't, and I'll say this, there is, there is something powerful about uh, a child with no filters that will come in here and pray for people, that will go out there and pray for people, that will go out there or, or will come up here and dance and worship. And there's something powerful that can speak to adults, that can remind us of who we really are in the Lord. The, the, the story I want to get to, and, and uh, we're, we're getting close to, to time where we can kind of go chill out there. The story I wanted to get to with all this, with all the kids and, and the women and children leading up to this and how I think, uh, bless you, I think in our culture we have overlooked the heart of what it is to be a child of God sometimes because we get caught up in our jobs and we get caught up in the stresses of life and the distractions that we have and we forget how awesome it is to be a a legitimate child of God. And the greatest example of that is King David. Many of you know the story. He was a shepherd boy, um, was called in to be the king. And uh, in 2 Samuel 6.16, he does something that blows everybody away. Verse 16, he says, Now, as the Ark of the Covenant came to the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. This is a grown man. This is the king. And she despised him in her heart. So they brought the Ark of the, <clears throat> of the Lord and set it in, this, in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had, had built for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished off, offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both, listen to this, both the women and the men, to everyone, a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and Krispy Kreme donuts. Now, it says cake of raisins, but I like Krispy Kreme better. Who wants a cake of raisins? Come on. So all the people departed. Krispy Kreme's got some, like, chocolate uh, eclipse donuts. Have y'all seen that? Man, I'm looking forward to that. All right, so all the people departed, <laughs> everyone to his house, Verse 20, listen to this. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious. She's being super sarcastic here. Now, how many of you have been around people that are pretty sarcastic? If you've been around me, you probably have. Um, But she's being super sarcastic. She was like, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord, and I will be even more un- <clears throat> undignified than this, <laughs> and will be, listen, and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Listen, he's being real. He, he is being as real as anybody could be in that, in that specific moment. He is dancing unto the Lord, and he's being real. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, if you want to dance in your underwear, do that at home. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying, be real. There's something, when we, when we talk about a childlike faith, that automatically assumes something. That means that we have a, a father, right? If we're a child of God, that means that God's our father. Now, this works in reverse for me because I had a bad example of a father. You may have had a good example of a father. This works in reverse for me because I see how I love and treat my kids and that helps me recognize how my, my heavenly father loves and treats me. Does that make sense? So as I discover, because it was always hard for me when we, when we had kids, man, I remember crying and praying, Lord, how am I going to be a good father to them? I've had no example. 
But what he taught me was, as I have fathered them, he's demonstrated how good he is to me. And so it's been this reverse process. Does that make sense? It's been this reverse process of, of a demonstration of, of me loving my kids. And we've talked about this a couple weeks ago. We adjust to how they are, right? It's the same way God does with us. He adjusts to how we are. Okay, um, this person is hard-headed. I might need to demonstrate something to them. I might need to, to kind of poke at them a little bit, right? This person is, is a little bit more timid and, and soft-hearted. The Lord will take their time with them and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to work through this. We're going to walk through this. This is what's so important of recognizing our relationship with the Father. He doesn't treat us all the same way. In the same way, we can go back to the scriptures that talk about, well, the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. We're the tax collector or we're the Pharisee. We want to identify with one of those things in the story because that's the only way we can do it. He's telling a story about two people, and those were the two people's issues, and they identified both of those issues. One was fake and one was real. We don't have to say, we don't have to beat our breast and say, oh, we're a low-down, dirty sinner. If you are, then yeah, that might be a good thing. <laughs> if you're not, you just need to be, be real with God. Just be real. Just look, my kids come to me with different issues. Some of them, I think, are completely ridiculous and they don't need to come to me with, but I still give them attention, right? I, I'll never forget, somebody prayed for a good parking spot one time, and I thought, how ridiculous is that to pray for a good parking spot? And then I found myself one day thinking about it, and I was like, it's hot outside. <laughs> I wouldn't mind having a good parking spot. And I prayed for a good parking spot, and somebody pulled out right in the front, and I was like, yeah, it works for me. <laughs> Same thing when, when one of my daughters came up and had a scratch, and I just told you I gave them a bunch of attention. I didn't that day. Had a scratch on her wrist, <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's okay. Like, it's not bleeding, or you, did you die? <laughs> You're Okay. And then Melissa got a word that somebody's wrist was hurting and went and prayed for her, and, I mean, that meant the world to her. So, I mean, thankfully the Holy Spirit bypassed me and made it to you. <laughs> I was busy thinking about my sermon. I was going to teach the people. <laughs> Neglecting my kid. No. I remember the way you were when Trinity was born. Oh, and I completely. I was scared to hold her. I was. I was like, I don't know what to do. Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. I did. I was, yeah. I was stressed out. She was, you were, pre- you were pregnant with Cody and somebody was like walking on your back one day. I was like, oh my God, you're going to kill the baby. Why are you doing that? Squish, gone. Anyway, but especially, yeah, Trinity. I mean, I was just so stressed out. I did. Stressed out. We don't need to talk about that. Stressed out. I was like so stressed out about everything. And, and so, yeah, I, over so, over so many, when you have so many, you have to address the one with the arm cut off over the one with the scratch sometimes. And thankfully, we have Melissa and other people that have Holy Spirit that can tend to them while I'm looking for a good parking spot. All right. <laughs> so, I don't know where I'm going with all that. Be real. So, I guess if, if, there's, if there's a theme, be real with God about what's going on in your life. If you have needs, talk to Him about it. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't make that exclusive, though. Don't just go to God when you have needs. There's a Holy Spirit that, that is sensitive to everything that's going on in you, and he, can, he, he desires to lead you, not because, um, not because he doesn't love you, but because he does love you. Because he cares for you, right? It's like, I think of uh, Super Mario Brothers, because I'm old. Super Mario Brothers, I played with the kids not that long ago, and they thought I was the coolest thing in the world because I knew where all the secret little mushrooms and stuff were. She was like, how did you know that? How did you know that was there? I was like, I don't even remember. I'm just out of habit. I knew to jump in a certain spot. I was like, I just remember. Um, But because I'd played it so many years, I knew each level and where everything was. And uh, and I could tell them, don't go there because that's where the flying fish are, and it's the worst level ever. But, But I could tell them because I had a greater understanding of all the levels, right? 
so I think that's how, when the Holy Spirit leads us, he, can, he has a different perspective. He can see all the levels. He knows where all the good, where the mushrooms are that make you big and you can shoot fire. But he, know, he, knows, where, he knows where he can help you in different areas. And when we, when we lean into that, when we, when we humble ourselves and realize that we can't do this on our own, that no matter how much we try to build up through our own ability, we're going to fall every time. We're going to build up and build up and fall. But when we lean on him, we don't fall, right? When we lean on him, he has the answer. So we're not just begging, begging, begging a father that's holding back from us, but we're just simply asking a Holy Spirit that's with us always, hey, what do we do here? Where are we going? What's going on? And then he goes with us and he shows us, right? He moves and, and he goes. That's why I love the sermon Pastor Mark preached too last weekend was, look, if, if, if you're making a decision on which job to take or which college to go to, yeah, look at the credentials, find the one that you want, and go there. Holy Spirit goes with you. <laughs> it's not like he's going to be like, oh, you picked the wrong one. I'm going to this college. Good luck. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's not how it works. It doesn't mean blindly make mistakes for no reason and hope the Holy Spirit fixes them all. But he can. I mean, he has the ability to. So, I mean, even in our mistakes, he goes, oh, poor fella. <laughs> he thought he knew what he was doing, right? I can't, I can't imagine how much the Holy Spirit has done that with me. Like, you really thought we... We just started this thing, and many of you know, kind of going on with our house. We're about to move and do this stuff. And Tracy stopped me one night, and she was like, are, are we doing the right thing? She said, are we doing the right thing? You know, have we prayed enough about this? Have we really thought this through? And I was like, we're like eight steps into this process. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, we've, we've just gone straight into it, and that's just kind of how I do things. And then I'll pray about it like in the midst of it. Lord, are we doing the right thing? I need you to catch up with me because I'm, I'm already like eight steps in. He's faithful and he will. Faithful, he will. Yeah, and like I said, don't, I'm not encouraging blind ignorance, <laughs> which I just equated to what I do. Huh? But if, you happen to do blind but if you happen to realize, yeah, but if you happen to realize it, take a, take a breath in the midst of what you're doing and say, hey, <laughs> you still with me here? Help me, help me out. And so the good thing is he is, he's gracious to go, okay, yeah, I recognize that. I know you. <laughs> I made you, you know. I can, I can help you through this. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's work through it. That's exactly what we did. And I was like, let's pray about it now. You know, we're here. We're, we're already like eight steps into this process. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. And so we did. And we're okay. Everything's fine. We're going to be okay. Um, which is like, I, just my personality type, I guess. I just do stuff and I don't think about it. Um, but at any rate, uh, don't be, be real. And I'm trying to come up with some points here that I didn't really make a bunch of points. But just be real with God and everything. Uh, he's not surprised He's not surprised by your, your pride or your arrogance. He's not surprised by your ignorance and your failures. He's not surprised. So when we, when we pray, we're not strong-arming God or begging him for things. We're just agreeing with what's, what he's already saying about us, right? So we're saying, okay, Lord, I tried really hard, and I kind of made a mess of this. I need you to help me. You're just recognizing something. Or, Lord, I'm doing really good, but I know that I can't do all this on my own. So I just, I, I just want you to know that, that I'm completely, fully depending on you, and it's not by my own ability that I can do any of this anyway. So I'm just submitting to you, even in, even in my success, even in the things that I've done right and done really good, I still submit to you, even in these good times. So it's the two people that we saw there in the example, the Pharisee could have, done the, could have been just as real as the tax collector in that situation. He just chose not to. The Pharisee could have came to God in the same way and said, Look, Lord, I fast, I pray. I tithe. None of those things are bad, by the way. But I count all of that loss 
in the midst of, of, of you, Christ. I, I find all of that worthless in just knowing who you are. I just, I just want to know you. I just want to be with you. I just want to have a relationship with you. And he could have humbled himself and done that the same way that the tax collector did. And that's what I loved about what, what Paul White said. Um, I have to say Paul White because when I say Paul, people think I'm talking about Paul in the Bible. He probably gets that a lot too. But I love how he said that, um, uh, oh, I lost it now. I was talking about Paul. Um, oh, the Pharisees, how Jesus loved the Pharisees as well. We, we found it, the, the modern, day, modern day Christianity has, has slowly but finally coming back to bringing in um, lost people and loving lost people, which we very much need to do. But we don't need to forget the Pharisaical people or the religious people that are in the churches that need Christ just as much as the, the pimps and the prostitutes and the hustlers out there. It's become a little more accepted, which is good because the church has, the, the pendulum has swung way the wrong way for a long time. So it's good that we're starting to do that more, but we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are lots of religious, self-righteous people that need Christ just as much as, as the people that are out there doing, knowing that they're doing the wrong things. Does that make sense? So we need to recognize that as well. I'm, I'm rambling now. You guys stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you, and then you can go slide on the slide. Oh, don't hurt your back, though, because you might feel young. Uh, <clears throat> Father, I just thank you for this time that we had in here just to, to worship you, Lord, to, uh, to pray for people, Father. And when we, when we pray, we just agree of, how, of, of your goodness and how good you are to us, Lord, that we just um, we thank you for it. And it's in thanksgiving that, that we do... Uh, we do pray from a place of victory in, in your sacrifice and by your stripes that we're healed. Father, we, uh, we pray that we would be just as real as David was, dancing in his underwear out there, uh, just worshiping you, not worrying about what people think. Lord, we, we, uh, we want to be as real as the tax collector when we find ourselves in positions that we, we've just messed up or we've done something wrong, Lord, that we can just, we can just admit it and go, hey, we, we made a mistake, we, we messed up, Lord, here we are. We just, we just submit to you because you are good and you can lead us in the right direction. Father, I pray for, for anyone that, that, is, that has that pride and has that self-righteousness. That they've done great things. Um, and I don't discount the great things that many people have done, Father, but I just pray that they would see how much bigger and how much better that you are. Lord, that they would see that above any religious duty or any act that we can do in here, Father, that we can rest in your arms. Lord, that we can crawl up in your arms just like a child and have that childlike faith that we can say, look, Daddy, here we are. We just love you. We just want to spend time with you. Lord, without um, just always looking for something from you, we can just spend time with you and appreciate um, your presence in our lives. Holy Spirit, um, help us to recognize as we leave this place that you don't leave us. Uh, we, don't, we don't put you away at the door. We don't set you down in our seat and leave. Lord, even when we, we make the mistakes and we go the wrong direction, Father, you are with us. There's nowhere we, can't, we, we will go that, that we will escape your presence. Lord, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' holy name, amen.